You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. Her name is Barbara Turley. Barbara is an investor, entrepreneur, and founder and CEO of The Virtual Hub, which is a business she started by accident that exploded in the space of 12 months to become one of the leading companies that recruits, trains, and manages virtual assistants for businesses who need to free up time and energy so they can go to the next level. She's got a long long history of all these things she's done in business, but we're going to talk about that during the interview. So Barbara, welcome to the show. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So you are in Australia. I am in the States. But when we jumped on the phone here, you know, and started chatting before we hit record, I realized you were not native to Australia. You're originally from Ireland. Yes. And as I said to you, having lived here for so long, I've been in Australia for 17 years. I always forget to mention When I talk to people, oh, by the way, I'm not Australian. (laughs) I'm actually Irish. Yeah. Yeah. If the accent's throwing you off a little bit, it's definitely not an Aussie accent, but I'm sure you've, uh, even even your Irish accent's probably changed a little bit since moving down there. But hey, listen, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Today, I want you guys to get excited, everybody who's listening, because today, Barbara's going to share with us and help us unpack how you can confidently and successfully use virtual assistance to scale your business. You hear a lot about virtual assistants and you hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? There's everything in between and she's not one to pull punches. She's going to tell you the the way it is. So I'm excited to dive into this day because I hired my first virtual assistant seven, eight years ago and I made a mess of it, right? I screwed it up royally and now I still use VAs today. So I'm confident that a lot of the listeners on here are going to find huge value from that. But before we dive in, Give us a quick backstory. I mean, you know, why don't you start with why'd you migrate from Ireland to Australia? What happened and how did you get here? Take a couple of minutes and then we'll dig into the into the VA scale component. Sure, yes. I'd love to say that there was the reason to move for moving to Australia was some amazing career opportunity or the truth of the matter was I was 24. It rains a lot in Ireland and it's very sunny in Australia and it's kind of a beach lifestyle. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm moving there. <laughs> I wanted to live in a city by the beach. And if you think about it globally, there's kind of Barcelona, Sydney, maybe San Francisco, but Sydney had this kind of vibe that I was really looking for. And I had been here before on a sort of a working holiday thing a couple of years prior to that. So I just decided to um, come down here. I made a decision that I was going to forge a career down here, despite people at home saying, are you sure that's a good idea and all that stuff? And I just came here and I I ended up having a 10-year, very successful, 10 to 15-year really corporate career in the investment banking arena, actually here in Sydney. I had 10 years working on a trading floor. So that was a pretty exciting 
game and pretty different to what I'm doing today. So high stress, I, high stress, right? <laughs> yeah, look, it is high stress, but I guess in your 20s, it's a funny type of stress. It's a work hard, play hard type of stress. I think there was a stage in my life that I really thrived on it because I love dynamic, fast moving environments where I get to change my mind very quickly. And on a trading floor, that's kind of a skill you need to have. You need to be able to hone that decision making thing. And, and that's really what appealed to me about that, about that area, I guess. So it's stressful in, a, in good ways and bad ways. Yeah, I for sure. Enjoyed it. Yeah. But look, then, you know, I got to about 30, 32 and I was like, oh, God, this, I mean, I just couldn't see a future for myself doing that. And I wanted a bit of a change. So I thought about starting my own business at that point, but I had no structure or idea what I was going to do. So I stayed in corporate for another few years after that. And interestingly, I got it was a good decision because a couple of opportunities came my way to try at business without doing it myself yet. So what I mean by that, in the um, big financial crisis that can't believe is 10 years ago now, that 2008 banking disaster that happened, I was working in sales at the time at Deutsche Asset Management in Sydney. And I got an opportunity to really sort of hop on the coattails of a, a buyout of a part of a business that was happening at that time. And I got involved as a shareholder in a buyout of a, an asset management distribution business in Sydney. And I I stayed there in sales. I was working there for five years. I'm still a shareholder there, an investor, but it just was an amazing experience to learn a lot of stuff around how great companies get built, to be honest. So I, I had a unique experience there doing that. And it sort of paved the way for me to want to build my own company. I really, that whetted my appetite to want to build something myself. So, so, was, so was the Virtual Hub your first business uh, on your own? No, <laughs> no. I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, if you hit it out of the park on the first one, I'm going to be very upset with you. Yeah, no, I didn't. No, I, I, I did fall <laughs> on my face and flat on my face. Don't worry. So I think, look, I left with all, you know, the usual. I think when, particularly when people leave corporate, we have these high and mighty expectations of ourselves that, you know, we're, we're not used to failing. We're not used to uh, having no help, like no IT desk, you know, like the help desk. <laughs> so. When I left, I was kind of on my own and I started a business called Energize Wealth because obviously my background was all in that wealth game. And I wanted to encourage more women or to inspire more women at the time to be more into money in a good way. So I started this whole thing and I, I did the whole product launch formula. I had an online TV show. I had a podcast. I did all the content thing. And look, had I keep, kept going with it, I think it would have been successful in the end. But it, I just found it a hard slog. I did an online product launch that sort of went okay. It didn't really do well, to be honest. It did fall in its face a bit. Um, and I lost my energy for it a bit. But what was happening during that time, I had some private clients and they were smaller business that I, I was coaching. And one day I was thinking to myself, they all have the same problem. I mean, I had really diverse clients from like a naturopath to a swim school to an online entrepreneur. And everybody was having the same problem. They were all flat out trying to do everything themselves. They weren't making enough money to be able to hire staff and they didn't know how to go offshore. So I had a VA in the Philippines myself, purely because I had read Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, like the rest of us had. And I just started recruiting some friends of my VA to help out the businesses I was coaching, but not as an actual business thing. And then I started getting calls for people were asking me, can you get me one of those VAs? And I was getting more demand for that than I was for business coaching. 
And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this instead. And I literally, in about two weeks, pivoted out of one business into another. And over the course of the following month, I put a webinar on. I did a free webinar, probably the most successful one I ever did. And I realized that people were falling over themselves to buy this from me. And bingo, we were in business. So it was literally an accidental business that just grew very organically. What year was that? It's four years old now. You know, I caught myself on a podcast the other day saying it's five years old. And then I got one of those LinkedIn congrats on your fourth year anniversary at the virtual hub. And I realized it feels like about 10 years, but it's actually only four years old. Gotcha. So So about 2015, 14, 15, roughly. Actually, March Mm. 2015 was when it started. Yeah, I did that webinar in March. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, let me ask you this. It's been four years, right? And even though it was an accidental business, it sounds to me like you had a lot of demand. There was a lot of pent up demand and the timing was right. Would you share with us, I mean, in any in any framework that you want to, you know, the size of the business, whether that be in revenue or employees or growth or some, give us a sense of scale on how the big, big the business is today after just four years, because you're literally just getting sure. started. I mean, four years yeah. goes by really fast. So you've got to, I'm sure you have some lofty goals. I'd love to see what you've accomplished up to this point. Yes. So bearing in mind, at the time I started this, I mean, I feel like it's been slow. We've got 120 employees now in the Philippines on the ground. We've got full offices. We've got a whole team that manage them. I've got head of HR, head of ops, all of the stuff that you need. It is a seven-figure business. It's multi-seven at this point. So it's, it's a large business. But when I look at the people doing this over there, I feel like, I mean, there's, there's companies that have thousands of staff. So, you know, 120 to some people sounds amazing. For me, it's like, oh, It's taken me a long time to get to this point because, and this is something I'm going to touch on, I had never been to the Philippines. I knew nothing about the culture. I was only really learning. I just discovered that I was good at delegating myself. I just didn't realize that was a skill I had that other people are not that great at, to be totally honest. So rather than being successful at VAs, I think my skill set was that I was very good at systemizing and delegation. And that was the bit that made me successful. I was able to plug VAs into that. But I got burnt along the way many, many, many times. And those people listening that have been burnt in the Philippines or feel like it was a terrible experience for them, I completely empathize with you because I I have come that journey myself and it isn't as easy as people think. So the business today is very, the success rate is very, very high um, with our clients. And I think that has come from the fact that I've had this like commitment to fixing all the issues that go along with outsourcing and with working with the Philippines, for example. So yes, the business is, is large today. We're on track to double our employees this year. We'll be at 200 by the end of this year. And my goal really, I sort of have a number of 500 in my head, but I want that to be, you've got to be careful looking at volume of employees when you're scaling because you can churn through clients and employees doing that and just focus on the number. What I actually want is to sustainably grow, get to that 500 people mark, but with people that have been with us from day one. So it's very important for me to have longevity of client and longevity of employee. And what comes with that is having a deep focus on the culture and the brand that we build in the Philippines, as well as the client side brand. So those two things, we've got two brands actually, and two brand promises. 
that are slightly different, but both are equally as important, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. It's like you have two yeah. different stakeholders, right? You got the, you've got the staff and the people that fulfill, and then you got the clients. And sometimes, you know, your deliverables and expectations and, and mm-hmm. the things that you do are different for each of those. So you have to approach them differently. I totally agree. So let's yeah. dig in here. Okay. You know, you're going to unpack for us how to leverage VAs to scale your business. Because here, the reality is, is that a lot of small business owners are just like you and I, when we first started, we're, they're wearing all the hats and they're operating and doing things that they shouldn't be doing in their business. And, you know, there's just the concept of having a VA is amazing because it's going to take some things off your plate, but there's right ways and wrong ways to do it if you truly want to use it to scale. So can you jump into that, unpack some of that for us and try to enlighten the audience? Because I have a feeling there's a lot of people out there that need this help. Yep. So the first, there are a few key steps. And what you'll notice when I'm speaking about these steps is very few of them are about the VA. This is the bit that gets people, right? So Usually what happens when people find out about VAs is they're so overwhelmed and everything is so chaotic that they hear someone speak about getting a VA and how it's an amazing thing that will change your life. And they just go out and are like, oh, my God, I know I I just need a VA. Right. But the issue with doing that is and somebody else gave me this turn of phrase that I just love. That's just throwing a body at the problem. Right. The problem you have is not that you don't have staff. The problem you have is that you don't have a You don't have a machine you can plug staff into. And this is the key thing that people miss. You can, it doesn't matter whether you're hiring in the Philippines or hiring locally. If you don't have a machine that can, that people can plug into, then it's going to be very hard for you to get success with any staff, unless you're going to hire an operations person to build it for you, which no small business has the money to be doing that. So the first step is to recognize that there is work for you to do before you hire a VA. Now you can do it simultaneously. And the VA can help you with this work, but you need to have a little bit of structure before you start. Most people will say to me, I don't have time for that. And I go, yeah, I know you don't. But if you don't have time for it today, I guarantee you in 12 months time, you'll be just going at the same pace that you are today, as frustrated, as chaotic, and you will not have grown. So if you take a step back for a couple of months, you might have to take a small drop in income. You might have to work a bit longer, whatever, but it's an, it's a sort of an investment that will pay you dividends later. So I just want to sort of frame up the beginning with this. So step one really is that you, a lot of people don't actually know what they want to delegate. They just want a VA to come in and figure it out. You've got to figure out, even if you've just got a tiny business, every business has departments, right? You've got all these little departments from marketing, sales, delivery, you know, finance, even a bit of HR, you know, there are little departments. And the best thing to do is to first lay out under each of those banners, what are the list of daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever you want to do, tasks that need to be done within each of those buckets in order to keep the engine of your business running? So like, what are those recurring, boring, non-negotiable tasks that just need to be done? So once you lay those out, you get clear on what is your recurring task list. Then your next list that you're going to make is what is your project list? So, you know, do you want to create an ebook? Do you want to, you know, all these, you know, all these things we really want to do. We want to put a webinar on. We want to do this. We want to do that. They're all kind of projects. And you get bogged down because your project list as a small business, particularly when you're doing online, is just endless. And what happens is you get to none of it. You end up doing none of it. But having those two lists initially 
is important so that you have clarity of what tasks you actually can outsource, what tasks you can get a VA to do, what tasks you absolutely need to do yourself. I would suggest that hardly any of them you need to do yourself in time. But rather than creating massive to-do lists, you want to start creating your stop doing list. So that's a really key point, right? So we all create massive to-do lists. Start thinking about what am I going to stop doing? What do I need to stop doing in order to grow my business, to free myself up? So that's step one. So there was three parts to step one. One was make a list Mm. of all the recurring tasks. One was to make a list of of the projects or the things you want to do, right? And one was to make a list of the stop doing list. That's all in step one. That's the homework you really need to be doing before you get super engaged in worrying about hiring somebody. It's better to do that work up front if you can, if not get a good chunk of it out of the way before you even hire your first VA. Yeah, I would. So you've got clarity when they join. Totally. So then after that, yeah, look, you know, you can go deeper into that. What is a task and all that sort of thing, but that's the basis of it. No, love it. Step two then. Now, this is the most boring part. I do empathize. I hate doing it myself, but it is the thing that pays the largest dividends. You need a process for each one of those tasks. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to hire someone who hasn't a clue and it's going to come in and, you know, you have to train them deeply and all that. But I do think at the end of the day, a VA can come in and do a lot of the tasks for you and make it up, right? But you're going to probably end up frustrated because their concept of doing it is going to be different to yours potentially. It might be better and you might be blown away. Or you might be irritated because they don't understand the way you want it done. And then you'll blame them. But you need to have a good structure for how your business runs based on all these different tasks. And that can be something as simple as how does somebody answer your phone? Like if you haven't told them to say, good morning, la 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 la, Barbara speaking here or whatever, then how can you expect somebody to just know that and not and to have the same view as you? So it's just about being clear on how you like things done in the business or how things are done in the business. That doesn't mean that the process can't evolve later or a VA can't help you to make it better, but you need something to start with. And this is for faster onboarding as well, so that you've got a template and something to give a VA so that you need to spend less time with them then when they do start. Does that make sense? It totally does. And to be be transparent with you, this is where I dropped the ball early on. And so what I did after making numerous mistakes and screwing it up royally the first few times, what I started doing is the best way for me to create those processes, and it may seem very simplistic, but what I did was when I had repetitive tasks that I wanted a VA to do, what I did is I actually recorded it with a screen grab tool, you know, something that grabbed the screen. I recorded it, me doing the work, actually walking through step by step by step so that they could visually see it and hear it. In a step-by-step format, you know, sometimes it took a minute, sometimes it took three minutes, sometimes it was 10 minutes long. And then I shared that with the VA and it, it was almost like crystal clear. The difference was night and day because if you expect to hire a VA and them just to know what you want them to do the way you want them to do it, I have really bad news for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. And I mean, look, can you, you probably realize now how much money, time and energy did you waste on the first few VAs? Because A, you didn't know that you had to do that, or B, you just, you didn't want to bother to do it because you were like, I'm too busy for that. I just want someone to come in and help me. Yep. Right. But you're going to waste money. Totally. You're really going to waste time, energy, money. You're going to be frustrated and you're going to say, this doesn't work for me. So videoing is brilliant. Then give the, if you want to have a operations manual, we've got some clients that do this. Give the videos to your VA and say, can you put those into step-by-step processes for me so that you have video and process? Yep. So that can be a good thing to do. So yeah, step two, process map your business. 
Forgetting VAs for a second, I'll just add this as a point. The businesses that are the most systematized with the most process mapping done correctly, and that can be delegated easily, have a higher asset value in the market, right? So if you ever have to sell your business, most people are never thinking about this, but my banking background, I know this stuff. If you want to increase the asset value of your business, do this. This is not about VAs, right? <laughs> this is actually about if you ever want to sell it. So that's just a little side tip. Yep, no, to, totally hopefully agree. Hopefully that's to, to help you to do this. Yep. So then step three is, you know, now you can, as I said, you can have a VA working with you during this period, or you can decide to do this yourself and then hire someone. Step three, though, is onboarding them. So again, what I see a lot of people doing is they do step one and two, and they're like, well, I did all that. I gave them the task list and it was a disaster. And I go, because you threw them a task list and then you didn't speak to them for a month <laughs> and you go away on holiday for a month or something. And there's questions, there's clarifications, there's issues, there's misunderstandings. So communication is kind of the, the big linchpin in the middle. You have to get a sense of a couple of things. You've got to find out what is your style in terms of communication and what is theirs. For example, let me break that down. If you are the type of person who is at your desk all day, you don't deal with clients. So for example, I'm not client facing at all in my business. So I'm quite available for my team. And I like to deal with issues as they arise in Asana or on Skype or Slack or whatever. Other people who might be coaches or consultants are in meetings all day long. And the last thing they want is a VA pinging them every 10 minutes with a question. But unless you establish that upfront, how is a VA supposed to know what way we're going to interact when there's questions, right? So this is why things kind of fall apart. And it's about relationships around communication. So establishing a good communication rhythm and get involved. Have I, I always suggest, especially in the beginning, a non-negotiable 10-minute daily huddle with your, even if it's just you and one VA, it's a quick 10-minute meeting, quick call where they get all their questions answered. So they have to come prepared. So they've got to come with all the questions and you've got to be like, yep, do this, do that, whatever. And then the use of something like Asana or Trello or a good project management tool to manage the task lists. So the, I, I know there's a couple of points within that, but that communication piece is really important to get right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is the biggest tip for onboarding? I mean, what would be the one thing the onboarding, you know, must have when you're bringing them on that one thing? Yeah, I think actually you'd sort of think going through the task list, that is important. But I think before that, the power of, even if you've only got someone for a few hours a week, if you start off the relationship by telling them what is your vision for your business, regardless of whether you feel it's important for them to know it or not, you've got, they've got to understand why you are passionate about this business and what you are trying to achieve with this business and why their role, even the smallest detail is important for them to get right because it's important for the vision. So it makes them feel like they're part of that and their attention to detail is higher if you do this because you, you get buy-in. You want to make them feel like they're part of this great thing that you're building. And they're not just a task ticker that you're just paying in the Philippines. Yeah, it gives, so it, it, gives it all meaning. I mean, it gives yeah, it absolutely. all meaning. I mean, everybody wants to feel significant, like they're having an impact rather than just being a cog in the wheel. So no, I love that. Yeah. So, you know, then it comes to the smallest task because people complain about attention to detail or missed steps, but people understand why their small little task it might just be a newsletter, but it's important that it goes out on time because there's like all these other bits that are attached to that. Like particularly when we're doing digital marketing, there could be SEO strategies attached to it. There's webinars, there's, 
you know, there's a lot of things riding on that one email going out on time. So it's understanding that. So I, that's definitely my biggest tip is by getting buy-in from your person. Got it. In that initial phase. There is a trade. So step four is, is the training bit. I do think it is worth allowing time with those, let's say those screen grab videos you've created or whatever. Somebody's got to get, they've got to have a little bit of time to familiarize with the task list, go through the videos, try things a few times. Now, even the most experienced VA still needs a couple of weeks, you know, or maybe I, I mean, I suggest sort of anywhere from three to eight weeks, depending on the role. But for you guys to get into a groove together, the amount of people I see throwing their hands in the air after a week and saying, oh, they're useless. I just can't, it just doesn't work for me. I'm like, well, you know, a week, it's probably not enough time. So you need to allow some onboarding time and training time where you need to be available and you just have to make space for it if you want to make this work. The final one is something I learned later. I didn't, wasn't doing it effectively in the beginning, but I've learned how important this is. Once you have all of that structure there, sometimes you can lose sight of results because you didn't or you don't know what's actually going on after a few months because you haven't established reporting back to you lines. So you've no way of figuring out like, are we getting results with this? Or like, I don't know, are you just going through the motions every day and I don't know what's actually happening? So it's important to have kind of a review and reporting back thing. The setup could be something as simple as, look, every day in Asana, I want you to actually write in, here's what we achieved today. Here were the challenges. Here were the, here were the wins, you know, so that they can just keep you in touch with how it's going. And it gives them a sense of kind of wins as well, or that you're invested in the result that they're getting. I'm hoping that makes sense because it's something I learned the very hard way. I took a long time to do that, but it's paid big dividends now in the past couple of years of doing it. No, I think it makes perfect sense. I think it makes perfect sense having some sort of a, whether it be a reporting, an accountability, a transparency, so that and it doesn't just happen once a month. It might happen once a day. It might happen once a week, but it's consistent and it's predictable. Look, if you want, you know, the easiest way to do it, because we're all time poor. And, and usually what happens is people, because they're so time poor, they don't do this because they think, oh, I just don't have time. But again, I, I'll come back to that asset value of your business thing and the growth thing. The easiest way to do it is have, a, again, another huddle. So you've got to have your 10 minute daily thing, a weekly huddle of no more than 30 minutes. So it's fast, but lay out the structure of that. So each person is going to come on and you've got three minutes and here's the three things I want to know. So you're giving them a framework for reporting to you so that you can make fast decisions based on the data that you're getting back. If you want to really go deep into that kind of strategy, something I've done recently is I've started to build reporting dashboards. Now, a lot of people, are in, especially in the online world, are out talking about the benefit of dashboards and metrics now. And I'm, I'm totally on board because I've just started doing it in the last year and it's just revolutionized how fast I can make business decisions based on all the data that's coming in from all of my team. Now, I've got a lot of people reporting to me. So you can imagine it's easier now that I have dashboards and I don't have to have individual meetings with everyone. And the data is the thing that's going to tell you what's working and what's not. Whether somebody doing a task is worthwhile or whether you need to pivot or change or because your VA is not going to tell you that stuff. All they can do is do the task and report to you on what they're seeing. That's about it. It's up to you as the owner of the business to be accountable for what to do with that data. Absolutely. A lot of people expect their VA to do it. They're like, I want ideas. I want initiative. I'm like, they're not a strategist. You're the strategist, you know, or else hire a strategist. I don't know. But don't expect a VA to do, to be more than they are, you know, and, and celebrate what they are. 
Yep, absolutely. No, I love those five key components. I love that. Is there anything you want to add to that? I do have a couple more questions and then we got to wrap it up for today. Look, I think there's a lot of information in that. I think the only thing I would add is that I do get that this is tedious and the majority of entrepreneurs, this is not their skill set. We, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're, we're into vision and we want to go nuts creating new ideas and we suffer from, you know, sort of too many ideas. But if you can get grounded for a moment in your business, trust me, it will reap the greatest dividends later to get this right, because you can go out and sell, sell, sell if you've got the internal infrastructure of your business like a well-oiled machine. So, yeah. Love it. All right. Listen, the last two questions, rapid fire. What's your favorite growth tool or software? You know, some, whether that be a SaaS product or some sort of a software or technology you're using to help grow your business. Look, there's two big ones that I've used from day one and I have never changed them and I have grown a powerhouse business on them and I I just can't say enough good things about them. Asana, asana asana.com, project management tool. I was on the free version for three years. I only upgraded recently. Um, Just, I run the entire ship on that. And Entreport is my CRM, which is these days way more than a CRM. It's like a business automation powerhouse. I have built some crazy systems on there and tying them together using something as simple as Zapier. So for me, those are the biggies in my business that what we use to run everything. Love and it. Um, yeah, love them. Perfect. And what would be one book that, you know, left a lasting impression on you or helped you along your journey that you would recommend to the audience? Yep. There's a book called Built to Sell, revolutionized how I think about a lot of the stuff in the book that I read was stuff I kind of intuitively knew from my previous career. But honestly, I wasn't doing it effectively in my own business. But everything I've spoken about today is in that book. And that book's not about VAs. That book is about building a scalable, saleable asset. And the things, interestingly, that I've spoken about today are in the context of delegation to a VA. But again, I'll whet the appetite by saying, if you want to build a scalable, saleable powerhouse, it's the same stuff. (laughs) It's actually the same kind of thing. It's all about processes and systemizing and team dynamics and that sort of thing is really important to get right. Perfect. Well, listen, let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about the virtual hub, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Sure. So we have some goodies on a special page for you guys. So if you go to thevirtualhub.com, forward slash growth experts, we have an easily downloadable little cheat sheet based on some of the stuff I've spoken about today there that you can get. We also have a seven part e-course. It's actually quite short, but again, it just delves into more of what I spoke about today. And you can also book a free call, a strategy call with one of our outsourcing consultants, and they can help you to understand if you're ready for this or not. And if you're not ready, they will help you to figure out what you need to do before you get a VA. So it's not a sales call. It's more like a readiness call, I guess. Yep. So the virtualhub.com forward slash growth experts. Love it. Well, listen, I'll make sure I include those uh, links in the show notes. And I really appreciate you being here. Have an awesome day. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.